The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou katoa, and welcome to Business is Boring. How do you grow a business if you can't easily advertise, get funding, or talk about it? Well, when it's something that should be talked about, and if you are Viv Conway or Joe Cummins, you'd do it anyway. Girls Get Off is the company they began to make a female-focused sex toy brand that they see as more in the wellness world than the sex industry. To talk starting a business and a conversation about healthy pleasure and where they're heading, Viv Conway joins us now. Tanakwe, thank you for being here. Oh, Kilda, thank you so much for having me on today. You've got such a radio voice. <laughs> Great face for radio. <laughs> um, so tell me, how did you get started? Like, how did you come about um, that insight around the way that products and this whole space is kind of focused? Well, I think what we realised, and, and look, this was only this was only just out of lockdown 2020. So I think there was a lot of chatter about sex toys in the industry around that time. And what we realised when Joe said to me, hey, what about sex toys? We could start selling these. It's kind of kicking off. It's trending. The people we knew had them. Um, everyone was starting to buy the Satisfyer Pro 2. Um, and when we started looking into it a little bit more, we were like, hold on a second. The only reason people are buying the toys that they buy is A, because their friends have told them told them about it, or B, because some reviews have gone viral online. And so that was happening here in New Zealand. Um, we had Emily Wrights writing things about the Satisfyer Pro. Um, there's a toy called Tracy's Dog in the States. Reviews on Amazon were popping off about that. And we realised there was no one actually actively marketing to this audience, particularly females. And actually, if you look at the way that we as women buy stuff anyway, we like to see it on Instagram. We want to have a good customer experience. We want to make us feel good about ourselves. And at the time, if you wanted to then go, okay, I'm going to go and buy a sex toy, you either A, had to go into a sex shop, gross, they've got a backdoor for a reason, or you go online where there's like 800 different types of toys for her. They've got names like, I think, what was the name of one we found? It was like the... um. Dong Blaster 3000 or something, you know, it's not super welcoming. It doesn't make you feel normal. Um, and, you know, it's a little package that turns up all discreetly and you make sure no one, you know, opens it instead of you. And it doesn't make you feel super comfortable. It doesn't make you feel like as normal as buying skincare. So we were like, okay, well, let's create something that is as normal as buying skincare. We're going to have fun marketing. So it's relatable. People want to share it. And then let's just, yeah, let's just make it normal. Let's make people feel good about it. The industry as well, I've seen um, you talk about it in the past, has a weird kind of like male gaze or something in there as well. Can you tell me about that? Because it kind of, even the name sex toy seems like it doesn't really fit in with the way that, um, you know, pleasure is being reclaimed as like a female first thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's quite a big question. And I, I suppose it starts with like, hey, look, if you actually look into the the big sex toy brands and stuff, they are often actually male-owned or um, whether it's female-designed or something, I'm not sure. Sometimes that information is really hard to hard to come by. And there have been stats thrown around of like 60% are owned by males or something, but you just never know. So I think there's, I think there's been a... 
yeah, there's certainly been a slant that way. But with that being said, yeah, I think because it's often, it's a huge problem for women, like it's this huge problem, but it's never talked about. And by huge problem, I mean like the stats on the amount of women who are like faking orgasms, um, not talking about it because there's often some shame attached to masturbation and so on. Uh, I think that's where it all starts. And then in doing that, yeah, we just haven't, we just haven't brought it under the open before. And was it an easy decision to decide once you you know noticed that there was this gap for a brand that actually talked about things and that brought things into the open? Was it a hard thing to decide that that would be you, that oh. would be the people that would do that? <laughs> like, because um, you know it's a really valuable conversation to have, right? But you know we're all brought up pretty repressed. Yeah, and I think particularly in New Zealand as well. I mean, I, you, you know you must have European friends, right? And they just don't care as much. I think they get naked at the beach, like whatever. But in New Zealand, we're all about prudish. Um, and yeah, I think we we initially went out to say, okay, we're going to be a wellness brand, like this is sexual wellness. And then we realised that actually our mission is more around like normalising female pleasure. So like I mentioned, that conversation is so important. Um, and with regard to it being difficult, I think, I mean, when you start any business, you can do, you know, you can do as much research as you like and you can, you can only plan it to a stage, but you're never going to know until people actually pull out their money and actually pay for it. So at one stage, like because Joe and I had wanted to work together for a while, so we've got like literally 3,000 boxes of something else sitting in her garage because we were like, oh, we need to park that till we've got more money. So we, um, yeah, we ordered a 1,000 of these and we were like, you know what, we might just end up with a 1,000 vibrators in the garage. Like we're <laughs> going to give it a go. We'll just test the market, see what happens. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad, we, I'm glad we took the chance. You can plan and, you know, be as confident as you like, but there's always an air of like uncertainty in there. Yeah. How did you go about getting started? So is it a case of like, you, you know, you were saying that there were some very well-known models that were doing well. Did you resell a well-known model or did you develop your own or what did you set about doing? Yeah, I think we both had um, previous experience in like sourcing from China and so on. So what we did is we just made, it's yeah, it's our own toy. It's got our own custom like features to it. Um, but then we just went super basic because at the end of the day, we were like, we just need to test the market. So, and, you know, like even we only wanted 500 to start with and we had to get 1,000 because of the changes that we wanted. So we were like, oh, well, we're doing 1,000. <laughs> we're going to give it a go. Um, so it was more around, you know, like figuring out who the who the supplier were going to be, making sure that that was really um, – Make sure that the supplier is really reliable and work out that sort of process. And I guess the advantage that we had as well is because we started during COVID, we actually don't know the difference for our product between pre-COVID prices and COVID prices for things like shipping. So that's actually worked in our favour, favour although we've had the odd, um, you know, sometimes we might have like a six-week delay on toys and it's meant we've had to order lots more up front. Uh, yeah, it's actually worked in our favour, which has been cool. So I guess that's how we went about it. So if, if you find a kind of like a, a, a variety of um, sex toy or vibrator that you liked and then you made your own kind of custom mod, how do you then get that out there to people? Because this is an industry that's like super hard to advertise and super hard to get talked about and picked up in media, hey? Yeah, I think from the very beginning we were like, okay, A, we're really strong on our branding, like we're not going to cut corners with um, how we want it to look and feel, and B, Knowing that we couldn't use any paid advertising, we were like, we have to then bring this back 
to something that's fun. I guess what we were saying in the market is a lot of brands were going down like the woo-woo route, like I don't know, they're selling like glass yoni eggs or whatever, and that's all cool and they've definitely got their audience for it, but we realised that that wasn't always relatable to the masses, but what is relatable is making it fun and like humorous, not a joke brand, but making it so that people have a little laugh, Um, say for example our Sunday confessions, people write in what they've been up to in the weekend, and that's like an opportunity for people to share that content with others um, without having to to like talk about what vibrator they're using or anything that makes them feel uncomfortable. Um, something that just brings people together. It's quite lighthearted. So we rely a lot on um, yeah people sharing content. I guess you look at like the Instagram pages even in New Zealand that are growing at the moment. You look at the success of NZ Lockdown memes, um, and it's all kind of brought together over a bit of humour, relatability. So we went down that path, and also use of influencers. So like borrowing other people's channels. So when we went to uh, went into lockdown for the second time. I don't think I've ever worked harder in my life. Um, I was on the phone to Joe. I actually got stuck in Queenstown and we were like, we know from previous experience that lockdown is going to be huge for engagement. So we were like, this is our shot to just go all out. So we're like, we're going to do a giveaway a day, which in, given that at the start, it was a three day lockdown, right? At day seven, we're like, oh my gosh, how many more giveaways are we going to have to do? Every day we're trying to figure it out. I've sent my sister to the supermarket to get, you know, lollies and stuff for day one. Like we're off getting our graphic designer to Photoshop things into photos. Um, so that was that was really cool. So I think we ended up doing 10 days of giveaways. You guys in Auckland were still like locked down in jail for a few months there. So lucky we didn't have to go down that path. But that was, that was definitely um, one of our biggest growth phases. It was just like identifying that opportunity and then just absolutely going for it. And how do you get the word out there? So does it rely, because tell us about how you do user-generated content when maybe not all users want to be the face of what they're saying. And how how do you get people to kind of share and talk? And what do influencers say? Like, um, is there a range of people going like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get involved with this, and people going, thank you, but no thank you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And like, look, at the start, we probably reached out to like 70 people and got like four yeses, of whom like, we knew some of them. Do you know what I mean? So it hasn't been without its challenges. But what we found was that once you kind of start to get the ball rolling and people realise, um, particularly once we had the social proof of like followers on our own page, um, people could see the content more. Like it's pretty hard to reach out to someone when you don't even have the brand like fully launched yet. So they don't really know what they're talking about. They don't know where they're linking their followers to. So once that brand got sorted and they could see that like, oh, it's not that weird after all. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit more open to it. I guess uh, we had some like the odd influencer we'd worked with before. But even with that, like, it's still really hard. And there's still influencers who, you know, we have friends with other businesses who are like, they're so high converting, who still won't work with us. So it's like, it's just part of the challenge, I guess. And once, I think it's a safety in numbers thing as well. So once they see someone else talking about it, um, we've also tried things like, okay, you can post about like Sunday confessions or get them to post about something else. So in some way, it's just linking back to our page and we're still getting awareness in some way, but it's not perhaps being like, this is my new favourite vibrator and like taking the personal aspect out of it. That's been really important too. Yeah, like they can share something you're doing rather yeah. than talk about their morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And what can't you do? So what are the kind of barriers that 
are against you that aren't against a normal business that's starting a product that's being sold to people that's completely like legal and normal? Yeah. Well, I guess the paid ads thing is huge, right? So we can't use any paid advertising. I think our ad account got blocked like straight away as so we started to um, even try and boost things. So there's a couple of little things we're working on as workarounds at the moment. But ultimately, yeah, not having any paid ads, I think we can do a little bit of Pinterest, but we even have to like... It's just stuff just gets declined all the time, so that's um, that can be pretty challenging. I think even um, even I work with billboards, right? It was, it's been quite a funny experience. So we've had to find um, agencies who are like open minded about working with us because again. When you're reaching out cold to people, particularly over email, and asking if you can talk about your vibrator business, um, the response isn't always fantastic, just like talking to influencers. So it's been about finding finding the agencies, like Lumo's been really awesome for us, um, being open-minded, but then also like the landowners. So um, not everyone wants something about <laughs> vibrators on their, on, their, um, on their site. But then like with that being said, we had a um, we had a billboard down in Tauranga that we put up um, when Aucklanders were coming down, like out of the lockdown, and it just so happened that we met. I think it was actually at like a work do or something, you know, we're all on the piss or something. Find out they do billboards, and then he said, "Look, the landowner for this site." actually used to sell sex toys. So he says, do whatever you want. And we're like, great. So like, it's just, we can get there, but it's just about like figuring it out. And we it just takes a, a little bit longer. But with that being said, our competitors are all in the same position anyway. So although like compared to other product brands, it can be a little bit trickier. Um, we've got to be really creative. All our competitors are in the same boat. So that's all cool. And as you've been getting started, I mean, have you had to kind of like, I don't know, upskill in confidence about talking about it or upskill in, um, you know, like every business owner has like, you know, things that they have to grow. But like, and and so you've become very kind of confident in in leading the conversation. But even... Even so, I saw some um, interesting things that, uh, in, 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 in a bit of research about this. Uh, tell me about what happened when you got robbed. <laughs> 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 it's funny you say that. Okay, so to your point, I didn't even have a vibrator till a few years ago, like probably six months before we started to do Girls Get Off. So I'm not some like connoisseur or anything. Um, but so anyway, we all had to do some product research and we got robbed, which is a big story in itself. But essentially we turn up. You've got to walk the crops through, like, you know, that's been moved, that's been taken. And I said, oh, I'm starting a vibrator business, so there's going to be lots, like, there's lots of vibrators in that drawer. And they were cracking up, like, oh, this is so funny. And telling me other stories about, you know, other people's, like, dildo incidents and stuff that they'd visited in the past. Anyway, I said, did you did you check that drawer? Because I didn't see, like, I couldn't see any pink in there. And anyway, I walked back in with a cop, and I'm like oh, my God, they're all gone. I'm like, they're all gone. My pillowcase is gone. They've, like, taken my pillowcase off, made, like, re- off, like, reverse Santa. My flatmate has got cash left in her room. Like, they've literally got mine being like, hallelujah, we've hit the jackpot. All the batteries, like, probably a year's worth of batteries, and they've taken off. And the cops were literally, like, tears of laughter. We were all just dying. It was so funny. I'm like, you've robbed me. You've literally taken my laptop, all my work. And you've taken me vibrators, like, kick me while I'm down. Wild, eh? I got my MacBook back. They didn't give me any vibrators. <laughs> I hadn't you, even used you, them all. You, you, might be, you might be like, those are yours now. They're I yours. Know, I know. Go for it. <laughs> Mate, that, I think that's a real, oh. um, it, it's a real sign you've got a hot product on your yeah. hand. <laughs> yeah. 
oh, honestly, and you just had to laugh. And I'm like, oh, well, good for the plot, you know, I have to replenish the stocks. <laughs> oh, yeah, what a wild ride. Yeah, awesome. And we'll be back in a moment with Viv to chat about the market and where we're going next. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. And we're back with Viv Conway of Girls Get Off. Hey, and just a moment ago, you were mentioning about the billboards uh, in Tauranga. Tell us about that. Has there been a bit of controversy from some of the few places that you've been able to actually get the word out in uh, more traditional ways? Um, there's been some bounce back. And is that, tell me about those controversies. And are they um, are they an accident or is that kind of part of the plan? <laughs> Funny you ask. I think our first few billboards that we did, um, I think we had like count orgasms, not calories up on like Anzac, is it Anzac Street in Auckland CBD? Something like that. A few other sites and and that was all cool. And and actually I think our um, billboard agency said to some other people, do you reckon we can put this up? And they said, oh, definitely don't put that up. And they're like, oh, well, it's already it's already up there. So you, as I mentioned, you've got to find people who are willing to work with you on these things. There have been billboards we haven't been able to put up. So when we... Um, we were just trying to push the boundaries and when Auckland went into lockdown again, we wanted to have a billboard that said, um, wash hands, vaccinate, stay home, masturbate. <laughs> that was a no. <laughs> that was a no. And, and, and why, why, what was the reason for that being a no? Um, I don't think you can have the Advertising Standards Authority, you can't have like explicit, like explicitly talking about the act or like um, masturbation or sex or whatever. So count orgasms, not calories, like that's kind of okay. But like telling people to masturbate, not so much, um, which is funny. Anyway, you know, we're, we always give it a go and they go, no. We're like, oh God. Like, <laughs> these, these guys again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's not as funny as we can't do it. But the best ones that we did do were, um, yeah, they were in Tauranga. And it was when Auckland was just coming out of lockdown. I think it was a couple of weeks before Christmas and we knew that everyone would be coming down to Mount Monganui where we're based. Um, so we had... Aucklanders are coming, but C-U-I-M-G, C-U-I-M-G, Aucklanders are coming, and then like girlsgetoff.co.nz, so that was for one week, and then we had Christmas is coming, and that was the next week after, um, and that was, that was like so well planned, like 
there was the biggest traffic jam I have ever seen coming into the mount <laughs> over the bridge and just our billboard was there and it was so great. And like part of the reason we do these is so that we can post about it on social media because people just love it. And what happened was we actually did get one complaint about that and the ASA did uh, email me. But having worked in the influencer space, like it's a bit naughty, but I know that all they're going to do is tell you to take it down. So I was like, well, it's only got three days left. So we just sort of brushed that aside and didn't reply until a couple of days later. And by that time it was gone. So all all happy days. Um, but the follow-up that we did do to that because of the... Um, because of the complaint, which we posted about on Instagram and like our community got behind it and they thought it was just so funny, um, is that we did another billboard that said, Karen, we'll give you something to moan about um, in reference to the person who complained at the same site. So like, while there are a few complainers. Get in touch, we'll send you a device. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The community that follows girls get off just loves it. So, yeah, and I think, like, in terms of... Billboards are interesting, I think, because it's not like we put them up there to say we're going to spend this much and we want to get this much back in sales immediately. We put them up there just for, like, wider brand awareness and also because of that, like, community aspect on Instagram because our community thinks it's funny um, and actually sometimes it can give a certain angle. So those initial billboards that we did in Auckland, that led to like a PR story in Women's Day. So it's like little things like that. You kind of have to take a different creative approach. But uh, yeah, we haven't really had any one-liners pop into our heads recently. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what we come up with next. In in terms of like it being a wellness brand rather than like a sex industry brand as well. Can you tell me about the kind of things that you do as a business to make that so? So, um, you know, for example, um, the podcast and kind of the, the kind of education side of it, I guess, and that community building side. Yeah, I think the main I think the main thing that we always try to remember is that like we're not experts and we never like aim to be, but we want to be the people who um, facilitate the conversation or provide the space. So I think chatting to people on our podcast, um, we often have guest lives in either the Facebook group or on Instagram. Uh, We also have a Facebook group called Girls Get Off Uncensored. So that, again, provides a safe space where people can come and ask anonymous questions, which actually has been one of the coolest things about Girls Get Off. I think, you know, when you get messages of people saying, you've changed my sex life, it's just been amazing. Like, that's one thing. But this Girls Get Off Uncensored group is just, it's out the gate, really. We get people asking questions where they obviously have no other place to ask that. Um, And the group's really supportive. We just kick anyone out who's being negative or a bit judgmental. Um, So that has been particularly rewarding, I think. So that's been a way that we have bought that, not just selling sex toys, but building around that that greater wellness um, approach, which has been really cool. And that's that's definitely the coolest thing. Yeah. I love the way that you incentivise people to leave you a five-star review on <laughs> Apple. Because, you know, we all say, oh, if you liked what we do, why don't you rate us and leave a review? But, like, people just don't, right? Like, you have so few con- compared to how many listeners. And so, yeah, tell us how you incentivize people to, to leave a review. We um, we give away a vibrator every week or every month. But do you know what? The hardest thing we found out about that is that unless you can see the email address we don't actually know who it is. So we've then had to like post to us to be like, who did this one? <laughs> who did this one? We're going to send you a vibe. So it did backfire a little bit, but yeah. that's okay. Well, if you'd like to leave a review on this episode, <laughs> and send us the thing tell you have. I'm sure that we can sort you out. Absolutely. The vibrator special. How big 
is the market because, like, you know, the the whole vibrator and sex toy movement has been, you know, building for, I don't know, 30 years or whatever to become quite a mainstream thing now. And with things like Katy Perry uh, launching her own line and all of these kind of big celebrities lending themselves to companies and, and, and doing their own ranges, it feels like it's really having a moment in the popular culture, eh? But is this something where, like, you know, your customers get one and they're done? Or is it like bikes where people always want another one? Yeah, interesting question. I think there's been a few, as I mentioned, you know, post-COVID, I think sex toy sales had tripled, people are a little bit bored. And I think the industry as a whole is set to triple by a certain date, which would be better if I actually knew that date um, for the podcast. But um, I think, to your point, it's almost can become like um, people want a little collection, you know, like, and I think if we can provide that um, almost like the gateway toy, um, then that kind of opens people up to exploring different things too, which is cool. But I I would say that people, well, when we survey our audience anyway, for the most part, they've actually tried sex toys before. Yeah. And what are your plans? Are you going to do like a whole range? Are you going to kind of start making ones that are? Um, how did you describe it? Woo woo or like oh, you know a bit like? Woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what what's girls get off doing next in terms of um, building the business and the product line? Well, I guess we just follow you know where we see the problem or the need for our target audience. And at the moment, that's still. Um, we will only ever have a small range because that is the thing that we identified as being a huge problem. Like you don't want to go on and find 500 different toys. It's too hard. Unless it's not like looking for a movie, like you don't necessarily know what you want, particularly if you've only ever tried one or two toys before. So for us um, in our positioning, we'll only ever have a limited range. We might discontinue things and, um, you know, add others. That may change in the future, depending on what the market wants. Um, we should have had new toys by November, but, you know, these things happen. So hopefully it'll be mid-July, August. We're just going to have to wait and see. So we, we are working on new toys at the moment, which is very exciting. Um, so that's that's sort of our, our focus at the moment. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, from looking at the brand and the community and, you know, the podcast, like the one that you did with Emily Wrights. Um, oh, she's so funny. Might, oh, she is so funny. It, yeah, it looks like you're having a lot of fun, <laughs> you know. Like, um, t- what what are some of the best moments been? I think, yeah, I think to your point, A, it's the, it's the messages. You know, like we started out because Joe and I are business people. We saw an opportunity. Um, it's something that we're interested in and we thought we could, you know, we thought we could have a good go and do it better than other people were doing in the market. Um, but that was just the beginning. And so the people who message in, like, we're at the races one day and this this guy stopped Joe and said, like, hey, sorry to interrupt, but I just need to tell you that you've literally changed the game for my wife and I. It's been so amazing. Thanks for everything that you do. And that's become, like, not that uncommon, which is just, that is so cool. Yeah, and so then also... Um, do you know that some of our best content is actually our office antics? So people see us just mucking around. Um, and that is, I think that's part of the funniest thing, you know, like we were literally having interviews the other day for someone who can be like our um, hype girl and like content creator. And I said to him, I'm like, we're literally going to pay someone to like kind of fuck around all the time with us. And like, that's going to be good content because people, again, it comes back to the community. They want to be part of something. Um, it's just something different. It's like the attention. So that's been pretty cool to build a culture um, where it's just a lot of fun. And that's what our brand is about as well. So I think, I guess it feeds all the way through, which is pretty cool. And what have the hard moments been? Oh, <laughs> well, every business is hard, right? I think Certainly the challenges, you know, with influencers and so on. And we're experiencing the same thing in Australia at the moment. So we've just, it's just forced us to be more creative. I mean, you know, when, when something's hard though, like even even when I talk about it's been challenging not having new products. So November was supposed to be the date, but we've had like huge sourcing agent dramas. Um, so 
with that being said, like even though that's a challenge, that's also forced us to be more creative with like instead of selling different products to the same people, having to actually go out and find new pools of people. So that's been good because now we have a bigger pool of people. So when we do have new toys, we've got more people to sell to. So the challenges, um, yeah, have been very interesting. I haven't really had much like... I don't know. I have never had someone to my face or something be like, that's disgusting or anything anything along those lines. Certainly raise a few eyebrows before we'd started. I'm like, we're going to sell sex toys, but not in a weird way. It's going to be great. Just wait and see, you know. Um, so nothing, nothing like that. Um, but I think there's just the normal hard stuff in business, you know. And when you say you're finding a bigger pool, like part of that has seen you actually up sticks and move to Australia to build the business there. How's that going? Yeah, funny you say that because everyone keeps saying, I mean, it is it is for the business, but it also was for selfish reasons just because I needed to leave Mount Maunganui. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it has, uh, I'm also very determined that that will be uh, that will be a game changer for us because even even catching the train and being like, wow, people advertise in the train station, things like that you just don't know until you're there. And I think meeting people in person, I was having meetings um, last week with people who are running certain Instagram accounts just to build the relationship and you can't do that on the computer. And what would your advice be from someone who might be wanting to start a business in a space that you know, isn't normalised to talk about and, um, you know, might even have some of these barriers set up against them. I guess it, I guess it's just like anything else. Like I think in my in my head, I'm, I'm not a huge planner, like minimal planning, like lean canvas kind of spec planning, but then just get started because you just don't know until people actually pay for it. Like you can do all the planning in the world and you can fluff around for ages, but it doesn't really mean anything until people pay for it. And that ultimately will show you whether or not you've got something that's worth going after. And if you've got something that's worth going after, then happy days, go for it. If it's good enough to be stolen (laughs) (laughs) in used condition. (laughs) Literally in used condition. There were only like three in packets, which I'm still dark about, by the way. You're on to to winner. And what will success be for you and for the company? Because it's such a cool mission to like normalise female pleasure. Like, that's a real big mission, right? Like, there's all kinds of things the company could grow into doing. Yeah, funny you say that because, you know, the things like normalised female pleasure, at the moment we're actually working with someone so that we can quantify that and figure out what does that look like in number terms so it's that it's something that we can measure every day. Um, and, yeah, I guess I guess that's our path. Often we, you know, I think it would be cool where if we could see stats around women not faking orgasms as much or people having conversations um, or it not being a big deal. If we don't have people messaging us about, like, can you please make sure it's in discreet shipping? Like, I think that would show a big change in the market as well. But, um, yeah, it's something that we're working to working to quantify at the moment, I guess. Well, sorry, just to jump in there, it does say on the website at the moment, you know, discreet shipping available. How do you do the discreet shipping? Oh, it, everything's discreet shipping. When we started, we were like, Oh, this will be funny. We had this idea um, so that you could pick either discreet or indiscreet with in <laughs> Indis- mind. Indiscreet shipping <laughs> indiscreet. sounds pretty funny. Yeah, because with in <laughs> mind, we also have these um, we have these breakup cards. So if someone's broken up with their partner, they could be like um, Simon who, and then like send it to a send it to one of their girlfriends. But we were going to have this indiscreet shipping that was like pink and had girls get off all over it and said not not a vibrator. So you could like you know give it get it delivered to their work or something as a bit of a prank. 
Anyway, um, as it turns out, people were mortified at the thought of even even accidentally clicking on not discreet shipping. So we only do discreet shipping now. We have they come in black satchels. You can't tell what it is. There's nothing that comes up on your bank statement. It'll pop up as like health vibes. Um, it won't pop up if you pay by PayPal. Like there's no kind of trace to the point where people like literally have like refunded through. Shopify because they don't know what they've paid for. They're like, have you scammed me? Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, so anyway, it's been a journey. Everything's discreet, just to be clear. <laughs> and so one day, maybe people would be wanting the non-discreet option. And what will success be for you as a, as a leader and as a business owner? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I think that would be, that would be a cool measure of like the market in general. And I think, um, I think for me, and the same as Joe, I think we could speak for both of us in terms of just creating something that's like fun, exciting, and allows me to do what I want to do because I don't really like to, being told what to do. <laughs> ah, that's so cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story and can't wait to see where you take it next. That's Viv Conway of Girls Get Off. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on today. So thank you to Viv Conway, to you for listening, and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Jacob Edmonds. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. And keep an eye out for Going Global in your Business is Boring feed, our new podcast with NZTE. In Nohora. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Kia ora e te iwi, te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.